This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. I'm Martin Stark. We stream each episode of TSP Live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So if you're watching live on either of those platforms, you can get involved in the conversation using the comments section. Coming up this week on the podcast, reaction to the final game at home of the season, Tuesday night's defeat to Liverpool. And there's one game left to go. Thankfully, we're going to preview the trip to Leicester City on Sunday. Uh, let me introduce you to our TSP guest. Let's go around the screen. Steve Grant is owner of Saints Web Evening. Steve, how's your week? Uh, fairly quiet so far, but yeah, I mean, it was a long old drive back last night after just a dour 90 minutes, wasn't it? But yeah, other than that, fairly, fairly quiet, just getting on with work in the process of selling my car, which has been uh, just a barrel of, barrel of laughs. Give it a plug at the end, maybe? Free ads? <laughs> no, no, I've already agreed to sale, so oh, okay, I can't, right. can't do anything now. Contract signed with uh, with someone, so all good. Lovely. Uh, Glenn De La Court is the writer of the Weekly Saints blog, League One Minus Ten. Selling anything, Glenn? Uh, anything to offer? Selling anything? No. Yeah. No, not, not at all. Got nothing that's worth any money. Uh, Just looking forward to the summer now, are we? Actually, I'm going to get about, I'm going to sell my car as well, but it's going to go to a broker's yard for about 200 quid. Right, I, I, think like Steve that, might, I think Steve might be a little bit more in the money after selling this, <laughs> but uh, no, the 20 year old Ford Focus has finally died. But uh, no, it's um, it's a cricket season now, so I don't want to talk about football. Um, <laughs> You're done. I've, I've started playing cricket myself. We've had two wins from two games, and I've kind of forgotten how much it hurts afterwards. So just <laughs> keeping wicket for 16 overs, and I can't move for about three days afterwards now. So um, no, all good fun. Yeah, looking forward to the football season being finished. Good. Yeah, I think we all are. And Dan Sheldon is the dedicated Southampton reporter for The Athletic. How's your week been, Dan? Was that your last home game yesterday, I guess? Or last Premier League home game? Oh, he's on mute. He's on mute. Oh, we, we've, gone, we've gone so far into the season. <laughs> he's finally done it. Uh, yeah, last, last first team home game, but at the under-18s, Thursday night, and then off to, to Leicester. So, yeah. On the cricket thing, I... I used to play cricket at school and I hadn't played in years and someone invited me to a cricket day last summer and I thought it'd be easy turn up, hit hit the ball a bit, 
the next morning I was in absolute bits. <laughs> I had no idea how tiring cricket could be if you're like batting for quite a while. I, I yeah. do it. I, it's horrible. The secret is don't bat for very long. I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, of course, the biggest hello and thank you is reserved to our patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching this week. Welcome to episode 198 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Just a reminder about our live event, which is coming up. This is going to be on Friday week, which is the 27th of May. It's a special live podcast for our 200th episode. We're going to be at the Five Rivers Sports Bar, which is in Beavers Valley in Southampton. It's going to be a seven o'clock arrival. I think we go live at eight. The evening is going to be supporting the Saints Foundation. 100% of the ticket proceeds are going directly to the charity. Going to be looking back at the highs uh, and the lows of the season, discussing what business needs to be done in the summer. We're going to crown the winner of the TSP Fantasy Football League as well. Remember that? Uh, we'll also have your chance to, to quiz the panel and share a drink with some fellow Saints fans. So if you're interested in coming along, you can find the link to the event in the description for this podcast. So the final home game of the season ends in defeat to Liverpool. I don't know if you saw the official email from the club today. It said we were edged out, uh, which I thought was quite optimistic. Steve, did we prove it's possible to lose by one goal and still get stuffed yesterday? <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was just weird, wasn't it? Um, it, I mean, I think the thing that was the most frustrating was that the, the handful of times we actually kind of broke out into more, more than a jog and tried to kind of run at them. We actually caused quite a few problems. Um, so I think that was the most infuriating thing by the end of it, that like last five minutes, we, we pegged them back and obviously Redmond had, had obviously scored the goal in the first half. Great. Great goal that was. And it was more or less identical to that one he got on the final day against Huddersfield a couple of years ago. And yeah, it's just, this team do my head in. It's just, don't really know what we were trying to trying to achieve other than, oh, we're just going to sit, we're just going to sit back and try and close the space off and just lump it, lump it long and then hope that in the last five minutes, we're vaguely still in the game. But it was mm. just, it was just boring. I mean, I'd, obviously I'd go into the, you go into the game kind of fear, always fearing the worst against a good team, no matter what side they've put out. I mean, yeah, I know they, they made loads of changes from the week from the cup final, which is understandable, having gone gone all the way to penalties. But that's still a good team that we were that we were coming up against, and yet we we still managed to make them look a hell of a lot better than, than they were just by not doing the basics. I mean, I, I think sort of tackle numbers are are kind of overstated because I'm I'm generally of the opinion that if you're putting a lot of tackles in, you're probably in the wrong position to start with. But there was very little closing down. Um, we kind of seemed to wait until they were sort of within 30 yards of goal before anybody tried to close close any any spaces down um, even. So there were there were very few interceptions by anyone other than probably Jack Stevens and Lianco were the were the prime ones making interceptions. But then as soon as we win the ball back, we even try a try a simple five yard pass. We can't even get that right. Hmm. So the ball just kept coming back at us, and I mean the goal kicks. I mean, Alex McCarthy looked like he'd never seen, never touched a football before in his life, and we were asking him to kind of play out from the back. A guy who's not played, a, not played a first team game for six months, and he just looked terrified. And yet, we persisted on doing it right, right till the very end. Like literally, the the first, I think, the first goal kick he put long was in the 89th minute. Hmm. It's just like, why, why are we persisting with things that you can very clearly see with your own eyes that it's just not working? 
Um, I think that's the frustrating thing that I think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to it. Well, we should have just had a go, just run at them from the start and, and get, and get, if we get picked off on the break, then, and we get hammered, then so be it. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but there's, there's, there's definitely a balancing, balancing act somewhere in the middle of that, where I think you could have shown a little bit more attacking intent um, throughout that game. Yeah, the balance wasn't quite right yesterday. Um, Glenn, Liverpool made nine changes. To be fair, they could have made 11. It was the B team. We'd mm. probably struggled against the C team, really. It was um, yep. one of those one of those nights. Um, uh, I agree with what Steve said there. They were still very good. I, I actually enjoyed watching some of the Liverpool players. I've never really appreciated how good Firmino is. He he was brilliant yesterday. Just a, It's a single touch to control it, and usually he's controlling it for someone else to run onto like he knows where the person is he's going to knock it to and even if it's a player like Minamino who he doesn't normally sort of play with they all knew what they were doing they were very very well organized I mean they were you know they seem to they they changed 11 players and and their their level didn't change which is kind mm. of similar to us in lots of ways but um not quite <laughs> different ends of the scale doesn't matter what 11 we pick at the moment yeah I mean Liverpool were good we were bloody awful I mean, let's let's face it. We we were clueless. I thought Ralph Ralph picked a team as if we were going to play against Liverpool's first team, and he should have been modifying it somewhat as soon as he saw Liverpool's lineup. Hmm. And it was it was noticeable for the first sort of five minutes. Liverpool were just getting used to each other, and we had the sort of half chance with Brozia when he ran through, and we got the goal. But but after that, it was just sit back and wait for them to score. Which which they eventually did. You know, it was a good finish by Minamino, you know, fair enough. But what disappointed me most was the part of the game after Liverpool had gone in front. Because at, at that point, there was really nothing to lose. And if we'd got beat 3-1, so what? But we didn't do anything until the 91st minute. There was three like-for-like substitutions, which is fine. But it's the commitment to run forward and, and um, try and make things happen. And Ralph was... You know, he he thought we he thought we were brave. Sorry, rubbish. We we mm. weren't. We weren't. I mean, Kamikaze passing across the back five and the goalkeeper just to work enough space for the fullback to clag the ball up the pitch to Brozier. That's that's not being brave. You know, brave is coming short for the ball, wanting it in tight spaces, holding on to it, doing something to affect the you know trying to take your game to the opposition. And we didn't do any of that. And when we were playing well, that's what we did, and that's what Ralph's built his name on. He talked about this, you know, getting back to what we're good at after the the infamous game against Leicester. And we seem to have gone a million miles away from that again now. And we're just passively turning up and we're, we're not good enough to defend. I do feel that we have put a couple of players in at kind of auditions, if you like, for next season, like Diallo and hmm. Teller, perhaps, and Rubbish. Rubbish. They're totally failing. If this is an audition, those two and a few others are failing. They're just not, they're just showing that they're just not up to it. But it's not just their fault. They're not alone. I don't feel that the tactics were right. I felt sorry for Armando Brozier again. You know, he's got a circle of 30 yards around him. I mean, can you imagine the instructions? You're up on your own against Canate and Matip, two of the biggest, quickest centre-halves you're ever going to play against. You're going to have no players anywhere near you. And the ball's going to be hammered at you from 60 yards away and you've got to do something with it. Do your best. What chance have you got? There's no player in the world that could do that. It was was just grim from start to finish. And as Steve said, really, really boring. 
really boring that that second half just waiting for them to score and then knowing that we weren't going to do anything about it mark's watching on facebook he says uh, a team picked and set up not to get a hammering is that fair dan was that your assessment on that it was all about not getting a hammering last night yeah that's certainly what it what it looked like i mean it was it was similar to the arsenal game when southampton just sat back and defended for for 90 minutes the difference is that liverpool are a lot better or liverpool's b team seemingly a lot better than Arsenal's first team. To be honest, I don't really know what to say about this match. It was crap. It was boring. It it was, you know, it was it was. I th- I'm not going to take credit for this because I saw it on Twitter. But it it was like watching a League Two team play against like the Premier League side in the FA Cup third round. Only that the League Two team would normally go for it a bit more than Southampton did <laughs> and show a bit more adventure. Yeah, it was just crap. I'm sort of that that's really all I can say about that game. Summing it up in one word, yeah. yeah. Um Steve Redmond's first goal of the season. I mean that's the kind of problem there, isn't it? He hasn't he was good season. actually. He was, he was I was gonna the say actually, I thought uh, that came out of it. One of the positives we start him at yeah. one back and it's actually a low, it's a low he, bar. He finds yeah. the net. Um, just talk us through that goal, Steve. Was there? There was um, talk about the, the maybe a foul in the build-up from Lianco. I know oh. Klopp wasn't happy, but <laughs> oh, but Klopp's a, Klopp's a Klopp's he's a never happy. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll stop that sentence before you end up having to get the bleeper out. But <laughs> I mean, Klopp just just pathetic. Grow up. Yeah, okay. It, it might have been might have been given as a foul on on another day, but it wasn't. You still had seventy yards of space to defend. And Redmond was basically unchallenged for that entire time. Um, so from his perspective, crap defended. But from Redmond's perspective, yeah, I mean, actually, for once, it showed that um, like one of those rare moments where he shows that he does have confidence when he's in a particular moment. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, he cut inside and I think slight deflection off um, off James Milner, but I'm not convinced um, Alisson would have got it anyway. Because um, it didn't seem to alter the alter the path of the ball that much. And yeah, great, great finish. Um, and yeah, as, as you say, he was he was one of the few that came out with any vague sense of positive positivity, particularly given that for a large part of that game he was kind of playing as a left wing back, mm. even sort of a le- well, even a sort of fifth sort of fifth defensive fullback, if you like, um, when they had the ball. It's the same old problem with Redmond, isn't it? That you can see that he can do the, do these things and have these decent performances in moments and there's just as much likelihood of him turning up at Leicester and and putting in an absolute stinker um to follow it up so it's it's one of those we've he's been here what four years now and six I think yeah Yeah, it's about six Christ God (laughs) time time flies when you're not necessarily having because he was he was the replacement for Sadio Mane yes (laughs) (laughs) and and then so was Musa Gineppo yeah. Which, uh, yeah, which has also gone swimmingly, um, but no, I mean to be fair to Redmond, he's he's contributed a, a reasonable amount over the over his over his time, certainly more than more than many. But it's just frustrating that nobody really stuck, nobody apart from him really stuck their hand up and said, yeah, I, I fancy um, fancy a bit of this game. I fancy being being the guy that that definitely stops Liverpool getting the quadruple. Because let's face it, everyone in the stands wanted that. But it became fairly obvious even before half time that it was I mean, as Glenn said, it was a case of when they score rather than if. Yeah. Um I was a bit bit frustrated that a load of people around me were giving McCarthy stick for um for the goal. But I mean, from what, eight yards out and hit at the pace, Pacey's put it right into the top corner. I don't think any keeper saves that. No. Mm. I mean this idea, oh, you shouldn't ever be beaten at the near post. But then by that same token, you then leave the entire far post open. That's just not the way that's not the way goalkeepers work. It's not, not the way physics and angles work. That goal was right in front of me. And 
I mean, we, we remember, I mean, Minamino didn't do much when he played for us, but he can hit a ball. He scored an identical goal at Newcastle, didn't he? He can hit a ball and he absolutely smashed that. So I don't think you can uh, blame McCarthy for that one. What no. did you make of the defending yesterday, Glenn? Obviously, McCarthy coming in as well. He looked a bit nervous at the back. And, Very much uh... so. Very much so. I, uh, I, I thought Lianco stood up well, to be honest. I thought he did okay. He He's he's mad, obviously. Um, I mean, he, he got himself into trouble in the second half when he tried to, tried to do his usual and uh, bring a ball that travelled 70 yards down on his chest and I think it was Diogo Jota he was up against and he got very lucky to get awarded the free kick for that. Oh, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> but I, I like I like him. I like his attitude and, and I'd like to see him get, oh, it's too late now, run out of season, but I'd like to see him get a run of games just to see if he's, just to see if he's first team material or if he's ever, you know, if he's ever going to progress past being a, being a backup. I, I thought he did all right. Jack Stevens was, was Jack Stevens exactly as you know he's going to be? He does some good things, and then he does some things where you just think, "Oh my word, what is that?" Salasu was all right, so none of the back three were that bad. And, and to be honest, Liverpool didn't have that many chances to score. I think the the problems were were further forward. We we just I don't think any of the so if you take Teller, Elinusi, Ward, Prowse, Diallo, sort of the midfield four, if you like, I don't think any of those had good games at all. And um, and Brozier was in a different postcode most of the game, so it, it was it was just very very hard to get anything going forward. We we struggled with Liverpool's press because they, you know they're, they're like Manchester City; they're very good at it. They swarm all over you. They know exactly what to do, even with you know nine changes. They they knew how to stop us playing, and and that was why we ended up just just booming the ball long. We didn't have the you know occasionally we did. We, we I think we did it once and it we managed to sort of pass our way through and that was the chance that Brozier had in the first sort of couple of minutes. But but after that it just it just didn't happen. So uh, yeah. So the, the defending overall wasn't wasn't bad, but you know we did set up to defend, and I think the consequence of us being relatively solid was that we didn't do anything at all going forward. And just on the winner, Dan, the um, the corner that came in and the, the marking Carl Walker-Peters, quite a short player, marking quite a tall player, and then Elianuti flicking it on. I know that, that you picked up on that yesterday. That's that's something that they need to improve next season for sure. Well, yeah, it, it's something I just, just asked Ralph about, really, why Carl Walker-Peters was marking Joel Matip at a corner, <laughs> given the, the considerable height difference and that you know, there is a coach at Southampton whose job it is to worry about set pieces. So I just kind of asked, was that a deliberate tactic? And I didn't really get an answer other than Elianusi should have cleared it rather than flicked it on. So that's as much as Ralph really wanted to say on say on the matter. He says, you know, if Elianusi heads it away rather than flicks it back, you know, over his shoulder, then no one talks about it. But the point still stands is you've got Kyle Walker-Peters marking Joel mm-hmm. Matip, regardless of whether he flicks that on or not. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it was just, I mean, it was a weird goal. It was a weird goal. The way it kind of, it seemed to loop for ages before. Yeah, it looked like it. an own goal, didn't it? Did it come yeah, off? It did. I thought it, I thought it was an own goal. So yeah. When I watched a couple of replays, I thought, oh, that's, it's kind of headed off Walker Peters, but the Premier League seemingly gave it to Matip. So, can you imagine though being a being Joel Matip? You go up for a corner, and Canate uh, was being ma- marked. He probably couldn't by... even see who was marking him, and that's yeah. no disrespect to Kyle Walker Peters. Canate yeah. was being marked by Diallo, so that's another complete mismatch. <laughs> so, 
And he's about six foot eight, isn't he? He's just, he just looks enormous. We are starting and, to question what's on that iPad that they will look at for the, the free kicks, aren't we? Yeah, but it but it's like you know, Steve said with the playing out, word, playing out from the back. If it doesn't if it doesn't work, then change <laughs> it. One more go. This free kick defending free kicks, sorry, and defending corners has been an absolute disaster now for a few weeks, but we're still doing the same thing. Yeah. What's going to affect Joel Matip more? If he's got Salasu standing on him, he's not going to be so confident about getting his head in there, is he? Then if he's got a run and all he's got to do is knock Carl Walker-Peters out of the way, referee's not going to see it. And then he's got a free run to head the ball. It's just it's just ridiculous. Groundhog Day. Definition of madness. Doing the same things and expecting a different result. But, but at least at least at the weekend, we're playing against a team who are even worse than us at defending. defending oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, there is that. Speaking of Groundhog Day, Nick says, um, why does Ralph always wait so long to make changes? This is something that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Steve. I think it was 71 minutes maybe yesterday. Is it just that he doesn't trust the bench? Is it that he, he's happy with what he sees? Are we are we missing something here? These games are crying out for changes. And, and for whatever reason, from a man that's been asking for, for five subs, he seems a bit reluctant to, to chuck people in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been odd, isn't it? That the, the managers who are most vocal about this five subs thing um, seem to be the ones that are least likely to actually use their subs. Um, like Pep, again, at the weekend, didn't use any subs for City, um, which was fairly mad. Uh, given given the situation of that game, um, but yeah, it's and it, again it comes back to sort of what we've had at various stages over Ralph's what three and a bit years. That every time we kind of question certain aspects of his management, six weeks later we're we're sat here talking, saying, "No, it, it looks it looks as if he's turned the corner on this. Looks as if he's worked it out." And then another three weeks later, oh, it's all gone to pot again, hmm. and it's like he's completely forgotten what he what he'd learned. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the bench was the bench was strong enough, wasn't it? That that we had, and and I mean, I think the three subs that came on were probably marginally better than the the players they they replaced, but fairly low bar, and possibly being a little bit harsh on on Brozier because I think Adams got more service in the ten minutes he was on than Brozier did in the previous eighty. But yeah, it's, it it is as if like. I don't know whether he gets wrapped up in the game and just think and just forgets that he's got these other players that he can use. Like he doesn't have doesn't it doesn't seem as if any of the other coaches are proactive enough to sort of say anything during the game. Um like you look at you look at the bench during game and it, it doesn't seem as if there are conversations going on there. Mm. It seems as if Ralph stands out on the edge of the technical area for the most for the most part and is kind of encouraging and sort of pointing out specific things but there's nothing there's nothing coming in and which is which is odd given that you've got analysts sat there who are presumably analyzing things and surely they're not just waiting for half time to um to show stuff on a on a screen and say look this is what you were doing in the 12th minute surely that should have been pointed out much sooner because then you then you actually get into get into half time having been able to make it and been able to make a change and affect the game but yeah we are in this situation now and i mean some something's got to got to give i think i don't i don't really know what it is i don't know whether they go for a clean sweep whether they whether they're able to find a particular coach who comes in who's got a little bit more about him and a bit more kind of gravitas that he feels able to call ralph out on things um because it's pretty clear that none of the guys that are there now do so yes that that part of it kind of just pointing out even pointing out the obvious stuff is just just someone tell him 
It's mad. Do you agree, Glenn? Do you think that's it's it's a, another voice in his ear that that's missing at the moment because he he does seem reluctant to to make the changes. Yeah, we we seem to we seem to come back to this one um, every you know every time there's a dip, it, and it, it is a strange one because obviously there are times when we play really well, and it's obviously not a problem then. But when you are in a bad trot like we are at the moment, then it's the sort of thing that gets highlighted. I think there are certain things that these coaches are responsible for. I mean, like we highlighted it last week, the, the defending set pieces is is just a calamity every time waiting to happen. It just it just looks awful. I mean, we got away with that one um, with Firmino in the first half, didn't we? Where we did our usual, we just stood in a high line and hoped that Christ one of them was offside, and and he you know and he was by about I don't know a couple of feet. So it, you know it was close. We got away with it. it that, that one does actually seem to be quite effective. But yeah, I do question what what some of the others actually contribute. And you do need someone, I think, to yeah, to point out things. If you, you do get lost in the game, I, I do feel that Ralph is just a little bit slow sometimes. To he, he seems to almost expect things to change. You know, if it's not going well, it will change, and it it never seems to. I, th- I think he's a little bit too loyal sometimes, either to his either to his own ideas that he's had at the start of the game, or to to certain players. It, it just seems to take a hell of a long time to realise that some people just aren't up to it or this formation isn't working. And, mm. and that just seems to make him too slow to to change things. And, you know, if we, I mean, it's hindsight, of course, but if we'd made a change at half time, then maybe we wouldn't have gone 2-1 down in the in the 65th minute, but we waited until after we had gone 2-1 down before making the change. So, I mean, we're led to believe that Ralph is one of the highest paid managers outside the top six. So he should be... I think he should be doing better than he is. He should be earning be his money, yeah. He yeah, and, and whether it's whether it's down to him or the coaches, they're obviously comfortable with the setup that they've got because this setup's been in place now for for a couple of years. Mm. So it it will be difficult for anyone to say, "Oi, you've got to have another Danny Roll figure as your as your number two. I get the impression that kind of Ralph would have to agree with it, which is I'm not sure that's entirely entirely healthy, but uh, it, it it is something where. I, an area that I wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit of movement in the um, in the summer, as well as the uh, the inevitable and much needed shake up of the playing staff. Do you think it's a bit of stubbornness, Dan? It seems to me that we're learning more about Ralph as a character um, at the moment, where we're, we're struggling to get a win, um, and he, you know his man management and perhaps his willingness to make those changes. He does seem a little bit stubborn at times. Yeah, I mean, stubborn is probably a good word to, to describe him. On the on the coaches, it's something I kind of think a lot about but then at the same time you've got to kind of weigh up the question is he not listening or does he not want their ideas is it a case of them sitting there and doing nothing or what look appears to be doing nothing during the game or is it because he doesn't want them to come up to him and give him ideas I mean I don't know the answer but there'll be a fine balance I mean, there's got to be a reason why nobody goes and stands on his shoulder but throughout the game the only time that ever happens is when he's got to look at the iPad or Andrew Sparks goes to give the fourth official the substitute card so yeah I just kind of agree with everything that Glenn and Steve have really said about the coaches I I think he needs a fresh voice I in terms of him having to agree to it I think you just say tough (laughs) you you know here are three candidates you know you can have to say this is these are the guys we want you can pick the final one or whatever and then yeah because they haven't replaced Danny Roll and uh, I'm a big fan of Danny's anyway but you only have to kind of go on and look at the success he has had. And yes, okay, he's working with Hansi Flick. And yes, he worked with Bayern Munich. 
but there's a reason why Hansi Flick was desperate for him to go to the German national team. And there's a reason why Julian Nagelsmann was desperate for him to stay at Bayern Munich. It's because he's good. And he would challenge Ralph. He would come up with his own ideas. There isn't any of that now. Or if there is, Ralph isn't listening. So it's down to the people at the club who, you know, make the decisions to work out what it is and then fix it, really. Because, as you say, there are so many coaches. I mean, I say that. Tottenham have got about a million backroom staff. But there are so many kind of seemingly assistant managers, but none of them step up to that assistant manager role. So what what is the point in having four or five guys there when they're not on the face of it, certainly in a stadium, doing much at all? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, one game left to go, Leicester on Sunday. We played Leicester back in December. That was off the back of defeat to Liverpool as well. Two all on that occasion. That was Bednarek scoring after three minutes. Steve, do you want to start? Would you settle for another two all draw on Sunday? I'll take something just to stop the rot. Yeah, <laughs> I, point. I, I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be completely against that. Momentum um, into the summer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean just some goals. I mean Le- Leicester are little bit of a difficult one to gauge at the moment because they seem to be playing basically all of the dreadful teams and I mean they're beating them and beating them fairly comfortably but I don't don't think you really learn an awful lot from smashing teams that are already relegated as they've obviously hammered Norwich and uh, Watford in the last week or so Um, but their game against Chelsea on uh, tomorrow night is quite useful for us in many ways because I mean Leicester don't have a big squad because they've had loads of injuries this season again and as a result they're they're gonna have two days fewer preparation than, than we have although i'm um, not sure it really made an awful lot of difference in the end uh, based, on, based on last night's <laughs> ten, evidence ten days to prepare for that yeah um <laughs> but yeah i mean as i mean as i mentioned earlier their their record for defending set pieces is even worse than ours so i fancy that might be a might be an option for us but i mean they're there's nothing to play for for either side other than, I mean, from Leicester's perspective, they've still got league position. Top 10, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we can't go any higher now. Um, we're stuck at best of 15th. Um, and I think we'll probably finish there because I'm, I'm not convinced that Everton or Everton or Burnley will get uh, two results that they need to go past us. But yeah, it's just such a damp squib of an end, isn't it? And it problem is, it, it, I would imagine it affects season ticket sales. It certainly affects the morale of people um, going into the summer, and you've got what ten, twelve weeks before the next game, and it's just you then you then start on the back foot at the, at the start of next season. Whereas if you go go to Leicester on Sunday and we get and we get a good win somehow, all of a sudden the mood the mood does change. It's like ah, oh, there there are some green shoots that we can see, and they they draw us back in, draw us all back in again, and um and we're all then then looking vaguely positive for the summer. But who knows? Yeah, I mean if they. If they rock up as if they're on the beach again, then we'll get spanked and everyone be everyone be fuming again. How would you set up for this one, Glenn? I mean, we've talked about like the tactics and the the players that have come in, and it kind of feels like we've seen enough of the the squad players. He, he's made his mind up about people, and and they've had the opportunity to impress. Um, nobody seems to have taken that. So, is it just whoever's fit and whoever's up for it? It's not a lot of positives, is there really? Well, I'd I'd say pick the players who are going to be here next year. Pick the players who you think are going to be. Part of the part of your plans next year, and don't and don't and, and, then, um, and the other eight are just be well, yeah. I mean, maybe put some of the youngsters in. Yeah, you know, put some of the put some of the real youngsters in. Maybe you know, Tyler Diblin was on the bench a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? Maybe mm. maybe not from the start, but certainly you know, 
give give some of these players a run out last game of the season because at least then, even if we're getting beat, we can get something out of it. You know, hand a couple of debuts out, and at least it will stop the crowd ch- chanting. <laughs> For the manager to be sacked for 10 minutes at least. Well, I guess, I guess tomorrow is a problem in that regard because the 18s are playing tomorrow night, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, normally against Leicester, you'd set up and play you'd play the normal, you know, the 4-2-2-2 formation. So I noticed they've, you know, they've been playing three at the back mainly this season. But because of all the injuries they've had, they've sort of gone to a flat back four. Um, so slightly slightly different to what they normally do. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've got a better squad of players than we've got, let's face it. And um, normally, this would be a very difficult game. But it'll be interesting to see if um, Jamie Jamie Vardy's mind's on it. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and um, James Madison seems to be playing really well at the moment. But again, as Steve's said, they've played Watford and Norwich and, you know, no no great shakes, but they, they, they have put them away. They'll be going into the game with a lot more confidence than then we'll be going into it with. So uh, not overly optimistic, I have to say. Dan, I feel a bit guilty because this would be your last game covering Southampton after how many years? Uh, four and a bit, I think, yeah. And I, I feel bad that it's going to be such a, a damp squib. It's not going to be a, a, a classic. <laughs> are, you, <laughs> are you just going to be glad to get it out of the way and, and over and done with now and move on? Yeah. I know definitely. you're not an emotional man, are you? You're not going to be crying at the final whistle. No. no well, I mean, it depends what the scoreline is. <laughs> Tears of joy. Uh, yeah, maybe. No, I, it's just, yeah, I've kind of, I've known that about the Manchester thing for, for quite a while. So it's not as if, you're at peace with it. I'm at peace with it. Yeah, I feel like now is the, you know, I, I just don't think I can take another two or three months of what we've all had to watch <laughs> yeah. since, since they lost to Villa away. We're a little bit envious, to be honest. I can see some predictions coming in already. Uh, Sonny's gone for a 4-1 loss at Leicester, which is not good. Um, let's do predictions for the final time this season. You'll be who won, Have here. I won the league? Or? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much home and home. I don't want to spoil everything because we're going to oh. reveal who's won at the live event. But yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> they've started carving your name on the trophy. Oh, um, Steve, do you want to go first? Leicester, away? What are we thinking? Um <sighs> One nil defeat. I, th- I think we'll. I think we'll. We'll set up in a tedious way, and because Ralph, Ralph will. Ralph will just have it in his head that oh, we we um, we defended well. We only lost by lost by the odd goal to one of the best teams in the world at, um, on Tuesday. So yeah, yeah. One one nil Leicester. Uh, Glenn, score prediction, please, for the final time. Three one Leicester. Three. I think we might actually score a goal. Um, this is the the Prousey set piece. Either sticking one on someone's head or. Um, or scoring from a free kick himself, so I think I think we might get a goal, but I think it'll be another another limp performance since since the Villa game when we lost four 0 Certainly since the Chelsea game, we seem to have lost any sort of forward momentum, and the, the football we've been playing has been downright boring, to be honest. And um, you know, we're just turning up, hoping to nick games, and I don't see this one being any different. You know, if we if we're going to go to Burnley and play passive football and hope to nick it, then we're certainly going to go to Leicester and do the same thing. So yeah. uh, unless there's a major, a major rethink just because it's the last game of the season and it's like that last day at work before Christmas, when everyone goes to the pub at lunchtime and gets <laughs> smashed, then um, I'm not expecting, not expecting much out of it. So yeah, whatever I said, I've forgotten now. Three, one defeat. Uh, Dan, final game then. What do you reckon? Last of a prediction. Let's go for yeah. Four. <laughs> going out like a Fer- like Fergie did at West Brom. Yeah, a, a oh, Prousey free kick and three 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 Vestergaard own goals. 
I wonder what odds you get on that. <laughs> right, good odds. Well, I won't even be on the bench. I wouldn't have thought. Well, maybe. No. Who knows? What's happened to Ryan Bertrand? Is he injured? Injured, 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 injured all season. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of other bits before we finish tomorrow, uh, which is Thursday. If you're you're listening to this, the under 18s take on Man City at St Mary's. It's the uh, the national title up for grabs. Tickets are free, um, so they're hoping for a bit of a, a good turnout for this one. And and Dan, you're going to be there covering the game, so could be uh, could be an interesting one from the under 18s. Yeah, I, I would encourage anyone really to if they've got some you know some time. It kicks off at seven, as you say. Go down and watch them. I think the under 18s have been super impressive this season. Twenty six games. Only lost four times, scored 80 goals from memory. Most of those defeats were quite early on as well, weren't they? They were, yeah. yeah. Played Chelsea off the park at Cobham last month in a really good display. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to go and watch a Southampton team that may bring a smile to your face... Put a bit of effort in. (laughs) Yeah, then I would certainly encourage you to go down and watch the under-18s. It will be a difficult game because, obviously, Man City are very, very good and have recently got into the habit of buying the kind of best 16, 17 year olds from other academies, um, including, including one player from, Mars, from Southampton. Yeah. And the, the, the two teams met in pre-season um, last summer and it was 3-1 to Man City, but it was quite a convincing 3-1 win. But yeah, I think Saints are in a really good run of form. Yeah, so they're going to be on a high from the title win, which they kind of secured mm. with a victory over Reading. So yeah. I would certainly encourage people to to get down. Hopefully there'll be more people there than there were for the club's lap of appreciation. The lap of appreciation. Someone, didn't I mean, get someone had to mention that, surely. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Stephen Glenn stay. like, what lap of appreciation? I, I didn't see that. <laughs> I heard about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other big game, of course, Steve, is the uh, the women's match, which it's bizarre that they've had to wait so long for this game. Oh, against mad. It feels like we've been talking about it for, for ages, but that's on uh, Saturday afternoon at, at three o'clock. And well, it's, really, it's, been in the, uh, it's been in the diary for, I think, five weeks. Winner takes since, all, since, isn't it? Since we game. wrapped up the title. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive game and it looks as if they've come up with some sort of deal with BBC to, to put it on the red button. Um, so that's good. Um, useful for anybody who, for whatever reason, can't make it all the way up to Stockport. <laughs> I'd, I'd look at I'd look at trains and, it, and they were looking at like ninety five quid return for the day. So it's just like oh, I can't can't justify that. So yeah, I'll be I'll probably watch I'll watch on the stream. But yeah, I mean the the end of the day, it's it's two teams that won their league by miles. So um, it'll be. I mean, we've we've discussed this before, and we um, Glenn's made the point that. It's ridiculous. There's only one team up from this level when you've got two divisions of what 14, 15 teams in them. But we are where we are, and you know, yeah, one one match shootout, and hopefully it comes comes out in our favour. What's even yeah. more ridiculous is if let's say Wolves win and they turn around, which they can do, and say actually we're not quite ready for the championship yet, so we're going to forfeit our place. We wouldn't go up, it, would we? It doesn't go to Southampton, no. no. It goes to who finishes second in their league, which is what? bonkers. Yeah, it will go to who finishes second. I, I just assumed it. they basically just not relegate No, it, whoever finishes second oh, Jesus Christ. Christ's league goes up. And that and that's another, you know, I, I, I don't like to say things like this, but that... But you, you, you've had issues with this all the way through, yeah, haven't you, Glenn? It's, it's madness, it, absolute madness. You know, women's football is trying to be taken seriously, but you've got Mickey Mouse stuff like that going on. Um, the fact in the, in game, the committee, it's all in the committee rooms, isn't yeah. it, where they make these nonsense yeah. decisions. The fact that this game is in Stockport, surely it should have been two legs, one at Saints, one at Wolves. Surely that could have been arranged. The fact that it's taken so long to do it, the fact that it's only one team that goes up, you know, the fact that that thing you've just said there, which is just beyond belief. Hmm. 
but yeah, there you go. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that either team would say no to promotion. No, but, uh, no. But be, I think it'll be a really important day and a good day actually for the club. You know, I remember I was at the Echo at the time when it we kind of got the story that the club were pumping one million pound into it, and that was kind of the start of the journey. And you know, they had big ambitions in five years to be in the top tier. And I know they had back to back attainments. So you know, if they, if they can get over the line, I just think it'll be such a a good moment for Marianne, who's obviously brilliant. And, you know, they've got some good players and you kind of wonder after another good season, if they don't go up, would those players attract interest from elsewhere? Could they keep that squad together? So I think it'll be a really important step for them to to go up. And it'll just be a nice moment for the club as well, in general, you know, back to kind of four or five years ago when they made that initial investment and you know, fans may not like it, but it was Les Reed and Martin Hunter who kind of drove it and Toby still very much took it on after those two departed. So yeah, it would just be kind of a kind of big pat on the back to everyone if, if they do manage to pull it off. Yeah, it'd be great for them. Great if we get a win tomorrow as well and great for a win on Saturday. Before we go, big shout out to our loyal and much loved patrons in our Matt Letizier tier. We've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Phil Cook and Nick Higston. In the Francis Benali tier, we've got Nick Reed, Matt Hall and Dave Melton. And to find out more about becoming a TSP patron and all the benefits that come with that, do check out the website. Uh, thank you to Steve, Glenn and Dan. We're going to be back on Sunday after the Leicester game. Of course, we've got the live uh, show coming up on um, Friday the 27th which is for the 200th episode uh, lots of comments tonight about people that uh, could be coming in during the summer any business that we need to do so we'll be addressing all of that at the the live show you can get your tickets in the description for the podcast thanks very much for listening this week and uh, have a wonderful couple of days away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.